Shalom, everyone. I'm John McKee, editor of Messianic Apologetics, and along with my co-host, Judah Hamango of the blog, Kineti Letzion, we would like to welcome you to this episode of the Messianic Walk. Yeah, welcome, everybody. Like John said, I'm Judah, and I run Kineti Letzion, a Messianic blog, uh, for a long time, over a decade, and I also run Chava Messianic Radio. It's been a few weeks since we've been able to have an episode. Uh, it's always interesting when you've got, you know, different people out there and their schedules have to converge. And uh, whether you are aware of this or not, I actually had a sore throat. Uh, but uh, for my own podcast, I didn't completely disappear because I had a lot of pre-recorded teachings that could go out. So, uh, but I'm back to normal. And today we're going to discuss a mission statement for Messianic Judaism. And we're going to see how Judah responds to some of these things. Uh, This is something that I've already gone through on my Messianic Insider podcast. Mm -hmm. Over the weekend, I went through this with my parents, uh, Mark and Margaret Huey, on the Outreach Israel Report. And as I have finished up my coursework for the IMCS as a Messianic teacher, I had to write a mission statement for Messianic Judaism, and then I also had to write an implementation of this. And, well, part of the implementation was we're going to discuss this on our podcasts. Yeah. Uh, yeah. And we're just going to see how people respond to this, because one of the things that I think is very important is we recognize why we are a part of this Messianic movement, what this is all about. What we're going to go through is not comprehensive. It doesn't cover every single thing that the Messianic community is about, but hopefully it should refocus our attention and energies on what is most important because right now there are a lot of crazy things happening in our world, but we need to be focused on the interests of the kingdom of God and why we are a part of the Messianic movement. Yeah, and you know, as as you said, this isn't... Uh, comprehensive, all the functions of the Messianic movement. It really is, uh, you know, the the mission of the Messianic movement and and your take on it and what it ought to be. And I think what it originally was, to be honest. Um, One of the things I will talk about is, in addition to the mission, what what is the Messianic movement functioning as today? Uh, Because I think it's worth highlighting. But highlighting for the sake of we can't forget the original mission. <laughs> uh, and right. so we'll get into that as, as we, I, I know you're going to read it and um, we'll, we'll kind of break it down and, and go from there. But I think it's important that look, folks who are in the messianic movement or considering like, is this my calling? Is this, should I be in this movement? I think it's worth highlighting what is the mission of the messianic movement so that we don't lose sight of that core vision. Absolutely. So uh, we only have, I've only, I'm only going to be reading uh, two paragraphs and uh, the format that we followed over the weekend with my parents is I read the first paragraph and then we had a discussion and then the second paragraph and we had a discussion. And just uh, so you all know, uh, the first paragraph mainly deals with the Jewish part of the Messianic mission. And the Mm -hmm. second paragraph then recognizes that the role that non-Jewish believers have in the Messianic mission. And once again, this is not an, a comprehensive uh, mission statement 
that's going to cover every single thing. And we may not discuss some of the specific things that matter or are important to you, uh, but mm. hopefully we're going to refocus our attention on the mission. Yeah. Okay. Paragraph one. Uh, Today's Messianic Jewish community has the wide-scale conviction that it composes the end-time move of God. This is based in the biblical conviction that it is actively involved in the salvation historical trajectory of all Israel will be saved, Mm -hmm. Romans 11.26. A massive salvation of Jewish people is to be regarded as life from the dead. Romans 11.15. Given the Apostle Paul's magnanimous burden of the salvation of his kinsfolk, I would pray that I myself were cursed, banished from Messiah for the sake of my people, my own flesh and blood. Romans 9.3 from the Tree of Life version. Everything that today's Messianic movement does should be with the express purpose of trying to enhance the mission of Jewish outreach and evangelism. Today's Messianic movement was specifically raised up by the Lord to proclaim the good news of Israel's Messiah to the Jewish community and emphasize that they do not have to assimilate into a much wider non-Jewish Christianity to properly express faith in him. Yeah, so this first part, you're, you're linking what... I understand to be the original mission of the Messianic Jewish movement, which is the salvation of the Jewish people. You're linking that to eschatology, saying that this is the end time move of God. Um, and I think I think that's accurate. Um, you use some scripture there from from some of Paul's uh, Paul's letters, Romans in particular, about how when the Jewish people turn to Messiah, it will be quoting Paul, like life from the dead. Um, life from the dead, if, if that's literal resurrection life, then we know for certain that is an end times, uh, an, an end times event. Um, so I, th- I think you're right to, to link those two. I know there's a lot of different thinking, too, of, of when that resurrection takes place exactly, uh, you know, pre-trib and post-trib and all that. But um, even so, Whatever the case, we know that the salvation of Israel has a big, is a big event in eschatology in in the in, in the end times. Um, so I, I, I'm with you here, linking it to the end times, but I'm also just refocusing, and I, I'm glad you do as well. You're refocusing on the reality that the purpose of the messianic movement, the original vision, was the salvation of the Jewish people. And it still is, despite, I think, a lot of non-Jews coming into the movement and bringing in their vision um, for what the, the movement ought to be. Um, and I, I do want to talk about some of those things, too. Um, but I, I, I'll first just confirm that this, to my understanding, is the original calling and purpose of the Messianic movement, um, that salvation of Israel. You also call out uh, at the end of that paragraph, John, the um, perhaps a, a a secondary calling, which is we should provide a way for Jews who believe in Yeshua to practice faith without assimilating. Uh, this has been a real problem uh, for a very long time. And in fact, I think that also was one of the original um, reasons for the Messianic movement 
was a place where, where Jews could still be Jewish and follow Yeshua because for most of the last 2,000 years, that hasn't been the case. Uh, Jews in the church tend to not remain Jewish for very long, either themselves or certainly their children. Uh, and that's a problem because we, we recognize that God doesn't want the Jewish people to disappear. So uh, with that, I do want to talk a little bit about, um, actually, first, I do want to talk, touch on that passage from Romans that you, you reference in Romans 11. And then I also want to talk a little bit about um, what the Messianic movement has largely functioned as today, because I think the movement had that vision. And then as things played out in reality, uh, things turned out a little differently than I suspect many of the early folks <laughs> right. had envisioned. Uh, so, yeah. Right. And some adapted to it well, and some mm-hmm. not so much. Yeah, sure, sure. I mean, ways of handling that has been, uh, as you said, some some good and some really poorly um, and, and caused a lot of hurt feelings and a lot of people feeling rejected because of it being handled poorly. But with regards to resurrection, so I just wanted to bring up um, that that statement from Paul. I'm just going to bring it up, bring up the whole thing here because I think it's it's worth highlighting how how Paul saw the Jewish people and how it fits into the messianic movement's vision. So we got Romans 11. I'm just going to bring it up here quick. Yes. Okay. Okay. So I'm just going to read like from verses 11 through 15 here. So very short, but again, this is, this is Paul's heart for the Jewish people. And he sees, um, he sees the Jewish people returning to Yeshua as uh, one of the greatest events in history. So here's what he says. I say then they, speaking of the Jewish people, did not stumble so as to fall. Did they? No, may it never be. By their false step, salvation has come to the Gentiles. Okay, so outside of Israel. And just to, to pause on that, we, we actually see this play out even in the book of Acts. Like Paul... And um, Barnabas, if I'm not mistaken, they're proclaiming Yeshua in Israel in synagogues. And um, they're eventually thrown out of synagogues. And Paul says, oh, well, it was necessary that we preach this word to you, Jewish people, first. Now, behold, we go to the Gentiles. So we actually see this play out. But Paul's kind of saying, here's what's happening from from his point of view and, and how he sees God's heart for the Jewish people. He continues in verse 12. Now, if there, the Jewish people's transgression, their sin, and their sin being rejecting the Jewish Messiah, whom God has sent, if their sin leads to riches for the world, he's speaking of riches of salvation for the Gentiles. And the Jewish people's loss meant riches for the Gentiles. How much more their fullness? Now, I'm speaking to you who are Gentiles. Insofar as I'm a mission, an emissary to Gentiles, I spotlight my ministry. If somehow I might provoke to jealousy my own flesh and blood and save some of them. For if there, the Jewish people's rejection leads to God reconciling the whole world, then what will the Jewish people's acceptance of Messiah be? But life from the dead. So 
Paul is saying, look, God, God worked through the Jewish people rejecting Yeshua as the Messiah. He has. And, and here we are, you know, 2000 years later talking about, wow, we have billions of non-Jews who have come to know the God of Israel. If you step back for a moment, it's a pretty, pretty remarkable thing that has happened. Uh, this is something that, yes, Paul expected it to happen, but he didn't see the fruit of, you know, billions of non-Jews coming to the God of Israel. It's truly remarkable. It changed the world forever. And now we're talking about the, the other part of that that seems really difficult, seems um, likewise impossible, which is the Jewish people turning to Yeshua. And we say it's impossible because um, from human terms, the Jewish people are uh, have it ingrained, largely speaking, that Jesus <clears throat> is a foreign God, that Christianity is a religion foreign to the Jewish people. Um, and even in, in the best of circumstances, uh, you might have people who see Yeshua in a better light. Uh, I think of folks like Shmuley Boteach and others who will say, okay, we need to reclaim Jesus. Yes, he was one of ours. Yes, he was a rabbi. Yes, he taught Torah. But they'll still say Christianity is this idolatrous, um, polytheistic religion um, that is far away from what Jesus intended. So even in the best case, it's really difficult to imagine that the Jewish people turn to the Jewish Messiah. Uh, and yet Paul says this will happen, and what will the outcome be? It will be like life from the dead. This salvation of Israel is the mission of the Messianic Jewish movement. It doesn't mean there can't be other roles of the Messianic movement, like we'll get into shortly. Right. But this is the core focus, and I do feel, as we've talked about, John, on previous podcasts, a lot of folks who come from kind of the Hebrew root side of it, where they're seeing the messianic movement as a more authentic Christianity, those folks have often lost this original vision of the salvation of all of Israel. So I think it's really important that we highlight that as the, the core mission. Right. And I, and I know that even I think messianic Judaism itself here in the United States has gotten off of this to an mm. extent as well. Mm. Uh, you know, there are, uh, for example, branches of the Messianic community here in America who are focusing their attention more on Messianic Judaism being recognized as either the fourth or seventh branch of Judaism. Mm. Yes, and, yes. Um, okay, they'll get some admissions from, you know, forward-thinking Jews that just because you believe in Yeshua as Messiah, you don't mm -hmm. stop being Jewish. Mm -hmm. Okay. Mm -hmm. uh, but this idea that our goal is to be recognized formally as another branch of Judaism, uh, that kind of flies in the face of why the movement is even here, to declare the good news. And are you trying to seek human approval or God's approval? There's another movement within the Messianic community that is trying to see the historic church, i.e. Roman Catholicism, Eastern Orthodoxy, different branches of Protestantism, mm -hmm. recognize that the Messianic Jewish original assembly has been restored, and now they have to formally apologize and seek reconciliation with the Messianic Jewish community. Uh, mm -hmm. To the point where uh, 
there have been different Messianic Jewish leaders get involved with people at the Vatican. Uh, that doesn't That's make right. a lot of people too happy uh, when they hear <laughs> about it. And then I think, and this is more my like on the ground experience for more the bulk of the Messianic Jewish movement, yeah. uh, because there was a significant Messianic Jewish revival in the 1970s, uh, in particular along the Eastern seaboard here in the U S mm-hmm. uh, and you know, a lot of your Messianic Jewish pioneers, that's when they came to faith in the Lord. And then yeah, they ended the up founding movement. congregations, uh, you know, in the Northeast, all over America. Mm-hmm. Uh, we've, we don't, we're not seeing that get passed on to the younger people. And why, and why is this? Uh, is it because we're not, you know, filled up with the Holy Spirit the way we should. If it, we don't have the right theology, we're not dealing with the issues that matter to the Jewish community so that we're relevant to it. Um, you know, there are a lot of different things that I think have gotten us away from the original mission and purpose because the salvation of Jewish people is, you know, it's different than, you know, what we're going to go into, you know, the rainforest and we're going to try to reach this tribal group that doesn't know anything about the modern world or electricity or anything like this. No, you're dealing with the salvation of a people group that has built into it something that is going to culminate in the return of the Messiah to planet Earth. That's so right. That's, that's right. how that's how important this is, and that's why, especially right now, people are asking all kinds of questions. What's the future of America going to be? What about this? What about that? We've got to return to why we are here in the first place. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's right. I, I like what you said, too. It's it's not just an outreach to uh, akin to some outreach uh, to a to a remote tribe. Um, this is something very different. It's not like we're just practicing another form of ethnic Christianity. It's not that either. Uh, the Jewish people have a special place in God's plans uh, for the redemption of the whole world. It's already functioned in that way with regards to the salvation of the nations, but it isn't complete yet. So it's very, it's different, it's special, uh, and and I think it's 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 good that we we highlight that. I'm glad you also mentioned that even in the messianic movement, um, there are sectors of it that uh, are 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 beyond the salvation of Israel. They've changed the mission, or maybe they're focusing somewhere else uh, towards acceptance of the messianic Jewish movement within. Judaism, that they want, you know, we have Orthodox Judaism and Reform and Conservative Judaism. We also want Messianic Judaism. My thought on this, John, and, you know, this is, look, I could be wrong. I could be wrong. I'll just give you my my honest thought, which is this. As long as Yeshua is Lord, the Messianic Jewish movement will never be accepted by the broader Jewish world. Yeshua is a stumbling block. We could be the most Torah observant. We could be more observant, more stringent than the Herodim in Israel. We could be uh, stronger Zionists than Theodore Herzl himself. Right. But if Yeshua is Lord, it's always going to be a stumbling block. We'll never gain that acceptance by the Jewish world. And again, look, I could be wrong. I'm just telling you my experience. Well, I, I have a story that I remember from a few years ago. And it was given by, uh, you may or may not know of a gentleman by the name of Vladimir Pickman. Uh, he is, he's been associated with Chosen People Ministries. 
Uh, I've been acquainted with him over the years because he was getting a doctorate down at Dallas Theological Seminary, and he's good friends of David Schiller here. Um, And he also does work over in Germany. He's originally from Ukraine. Uh, But he, a few years ago at our local congregation during Hanukkah, gave a story because when he was in Dallas, he went to different Jewish events at synagogues and what have you, because they knew he was a, a, a scholar and, a, and an important Messianic Jewish leader. Mm-hmm. And there was a round table of, you know, different uh, Jewish leaders in, in the DFW area. And most of them were very liberal and they were very progressive. And I remember him saying, uh, because somebody asked you know, well, you know, do you consider yourself a Jew because you believe in Jesus? Or then somebody else would have said, well, I don't consider you a Jew because, you know, you believe in Jesus. And he said, okay, you can believe whatever you want. But in the Second World War, the Nazis considered you a Jew, whether you believed in Yeshua or not. Yes, that's true. Yeah. So uh, you need to remember this, Uh, you know, internally, you know, there are, you know, Jewish people who, it doesn't matter what you believe, born a Jew, die a Jew. You can even believe in Yeshua of Nazareth, and you can still be considered Jewish. Others, no, you believe in Yeshua of Nazareth, you're not Jewish. But uh, Islamic terrorists, Palestinian terrorists in Israel, they don't make that distinction. <laughs> That's White right. supremacists, they don't make that distinction. That's right. Anybody yeah. who is an enemy of the Jewish people doesn't make the distinction. Are you a Messianic Jew? Or are you just a Jewish person? And yeah. mm-hmm. that's right. That's and right. so I, I think that, you know, while it can be useful for people in the Messianic community to have open discussions with those in the Jewish community who don't yet believe in Yeshua, uh, it can also at times for a ver- for a movement that has limited resources, and if we're approaching the return of Yeshua, we have limited time to put all of our effort into, well, we need to be formally recognized by this group or that group. Mm-hmm. Uh, mm-hmm. No, what matters is that we are recognized by the Lord as a movement of his spirit and that mm-hmm. we are seeing lives changed. That's right, that's right. And as you mentioned, John, you know, with with the move of God in the 1970s that kind of spawned many of the modern leaders of the Messianic movement, I really believe that was a movement of God's spirit. It wasn't just like some people getting together saying, hey, let's do this or this or this, and that'll produce more of this. You know, it was it was really a, a spontaneous move of God's spirit, not just among Jews, but I mean, it was, it was the Jesus movement. A lot of people came to faith. And um, I think I think that's going to bear more fruit as well, that we do need truly a movement of God's spirit to stir people. Um, look, if, if I'm, if I want to interpret those folks charitably, folks who are trying to get uh, Messianic Judaism accepted by the broader Jewish world, they may say, look, if we are accepted as a form of Judaism, that will open the doors um, for more faith in Yeshua. Um, that it won't be such a, a stigmatized thing to uh, to say that Yeshua is the Jewish Messiah. And they could be right. But as I said, I, I don't think they'll be successful. Um, no matter what we do, as long as Yeshua is Lord, unless we compromise on that point, I think the Messianic Judaism uh, movement will not be uh, accepted by the broader Jewish world. 
So moving on a little bit, unless you had any other thoughts there, John. Uh, no, I just want to remind everyone, uh, because I guess we'll be going into the second paragraph now. This is not a comprehensive understanding of everything that is happening in the Messianic yeah. community. Yeah, But yeah. we are trying to revisit the mission. So we've just said some important things about the definitely the Jewish salvation part of the Messianic mm -hmm. movement. But of course, if you go to just about any Messianic congregation or any Messianic uh, conference, whenever they are going to resume because of <laughs> COVID-19 and its fallout, um, um, you attend and you are likely to see that the majority of people in attendance are not Jewish. So what yes. do we do about this? And before and, we, we read that second paragraph, John, I do want to comment on, on some of that with regards to how a lot of folks, including a lot of non-Jews, see the Messianic movement functioning today. Um, if, if now's a good time, I'd like to raise those issues. All right. Cool. So I, I think in that first paragraph, again, we, we said the salvation of the Jewish people is the mission, and that is linked to, um, to the resurrection and to, to the end. Um, and so it's, it's important that we, we highlight that. As you also said, that's not comprehensive. It doesn't mean the messianic movement doesn't function in other ways. And in my mind, and I think in the mind of many folks in the messianic movement, there, is, there are additional reasons to be in the messianic movement. Uh, it's not just about the salvation of the Jewish people. It's not just about the, the end times, the last days. I think a big one, a big reason to be in the Messianic movement for many people is, a, is, is restoration. I think a lot of people see the Messianic movement functioning as a more authentic Christianity. Uh, John, I was just watching the, the podcast uh, you had with your parents there. And, and, and Mark said something to the effect of, when we first came into the movement, became uh, acquainted with some of the things going on in the movement, we saw people doing things that were, well, more what Yeshua and more what the disciples and the apostles would have been doing. Um, oh, okay, celebrating Passover. Yeah, you know, the church today doesn't really do that, but certainly Yeshua did and the disciples did, shouldn't we be doing that too? And um, the, the kosher diet, the, the honoring of the Torah and the walking out of the Torah, these are things that um, the first century believers were practicing and we're not practicing it today. Uh, and look, maybe it's for a discussion for another time. Should 21st century belief in Yeshua look like first century belief. Maybe it's okay that it's different, but there's the reality that many people today see the messianic movement as a restoration to that first century faith of Yeshua, the disciples, the apostles, and Paul himself. I Okay, so I have two responses to that, or two-part yes. response to that. Okay, okay, so the first thing is, in the first paragraph, there is this statement mm -hmm. where it says that everything that today's messianic movement does should be with the express purpose of trying to enhance the mission of Jewish outreach and evangelism. Uh -huh. So what that means is 
That doesn't mean that the only thing that we're going to talk about, the only thing we're going to teach on is messianic prophecy and evangelism and Mm -hmm. don't use Jesus, say Yeshua, don't use cross, say execution stake or tree. I mean, that's kind of like the beginning of, you know, no, obviously Jewish outreach involves, you know, a comprehensive understanding of so many other things, you know, our whole theological framework, our understanding of, you know, is the Torah still in effect? And how do, what's the role of tradition? And uh, wait a second, uh, a lot of the Jewish community is borderline atheists. So do I have mm-hmm. to get into Genesis stuff? You know, so mm-hmm. there are all these things that buttress this. Mm-hmm. And so with that in mind, uh, you know, and we'll discuss this when we get to the second paragraph a little more. Yeah, there are non-Jewish believers who are supposed to be in the Messianic movement. The, what got them involved was some kind of a return to a first century style of faith. And, you know, they're getting acclimated to the scriptures of Israel. They're reading the Torah Mm -hmm. on a weekly basis. Mm -hmm. They are doing things like remembering Shabbat or eating a kosher style of diet, remembering Mm -hmm. the appointed times, this kind of thing. And, uh, you know, these are people, as they get acclimated to this, the question then becomes, okay, well, how are you contributing to this mission of testifying of the good news to your Jewish friends and neighbors? It's not mm-hmm. just all about you and about your enrichment. You know, we're, we're in this for a purpose. Yeah. And, yeah. and so we've seen a lot of that in the Messianic movement. And there are congregations and fellowships which legitimately recognize that you need Jew and non-Jew together mm-hmm. in order to best facilitate Jewish evangelism and salvation. Yes. And yeah. I think congregations like that are more keen on emphasizing that, you know, we're trying to recapture a first century faith experience in the 21st century. Mm. And not to go too off the mark, but, you know, there are other parts of the first century experience that uh, based on what's happening in today's world, we're probably going to get, we're going to, we're going to have to talk about more frequently, you know, all the uh, sexual immorality and political corruption and, and what have you. Um, yes, yes. Uh, so so this, because so all too frequently, the first century experience has only been uh, presented in terms of, you know, Jew and Gentile, one and Messiah, as the Joel mm-hmm. Chernoff song goes. Song. Yep. Um, and there are some other parts of the first century experience that are not as uh, idealistic or as pleasant to, 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 to get into. But but that is but that has been a development that we have seen. A lot of messianic congregations they try to emphasize that we are recapturing a first century faith experience. My own congregation, Mm -hmm. uh, at Zion, tries to stress that uh, as part of its you know localized mission statement. But then there are others which don't. Uh, I remember uh, many years ago seeing a video by. Uh, Dan Juster, and he said, you know, one of the reasons why we have all these problems is so many of these Gentiles think the Messianic movement is about recapturing a first century faith experience. Mm-hmm. And here in the Union, well, we just are not into that, uh, whereas other congregations are. Yes, and, yes. Um, he has a, a, a bit. So basically, for, for some leaders, including Juster, uh, he sees the Messianic movement uh, specifically oh, almost opposed to uh, non-Jews coming in and saying, hey, let's restore the the early faith of the disciples. 
Uh, he sees that as a distraction in the messianic movement. Whereas I think on the reality on the ground is a lot of people in today's messianic movement do see that as part of the movement, as part of... Right. And they also see us actually being given a second chance of sorts to get it right. Interesting. Rather than mm. some of the things that took place in the late first and early second centuries. Interesting. Uh, particularly as you see the beginnings of supersessionism and a lot of the yeah. anti-Semitism which came yeah. in. Which is fair, right? Like, I think the church today has missed a lot of, uh, a lot of, uh, maybe to rephrase that a little bit, we've, we've gotten off the path from how things originally were in great deal, de- quite, quite a bit. Uh, I think a, a lot of us could say, okay, clearly the Roman Catholic Church is very different from the faith of the disciples. I think a, a great many of us would agree with that statement. But uh, we, we kind of go further and say even Protestantism, even evangelical Christianity is quite a bit different from uh, the faith of, of the disciples. Uh, and well, so, I remember, I mean, even evangel- evangelical Protestantism in the past 30 years has changed. Um, yeah. It's not even the faith that I grew up in in the 1980s. <laughs> okay, interesting, interesting. Um, yeah. yeah, I recently watched a uh, a video from my. Uh, it was the I think it was the church dedication video. Uh, my parents were involved in a church plant in the in 1986, uh, and mm-hmm. in the and that church is now defunct. But I watched the video, and I mean, it was you know very conservative, very evangelical, but the style of worship was almost completely different than some of these big giant mega church non-denoms mm. that you see mm-hmm. today. Mm-hmm. I mean, just seeing Strange, that yeah. everyone was dressed up, you know, with a coat and tie and a dress. And uh, <laughs> I mean, just these yeah. kinds of things, it was like, and the, and the clergy was wearing robes and um, hmm. you know, it's just, I mean, and you don't see that as much as you used to. And, and that was just, just a very obvious thing to me having watched it. I'm like, well, yeah, I remember back in the eighties. Yeah. We had to go I had to wear a tie to, to Sunday school and you know, all this. And um, you know, so, so <laughs> yeah. we're not even evangelicalism today in 2021 is not mm-hmm. what I grew up with uh, in yeah, the 1980s. Yeah. Uh, so it's not too difficult to deduce that Roman Catholicism is not what the apostles founded it's, mm-hmm. uh, you know, the Protestant Reformation was a huge leap forward, but yep. I mean, we've got so many things going on today, uh, changes in evangelicalism. Uh, I mean, the, I still can't get over how there was a, a minister in the House of Representatives who closed his prayer with amen and a woman. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, yeah. and, and, oh, I mean and that's, and, and, and yes, that was exclusively politically motivated okay Mm -hmm. but that is a direction that protestantism for certain is going Mm -hmm. Uh, so Mm -hmm. this whole thing about recapturing a first century faith experience wanting to recapture this is this is what we believe yeshua and the apostles would do were they living among us today it's very very appealing to people it is and and I, i think for good reason because truth be told for better or worse the messianic movement is in fact a more authentic version of Christianity. It really is. I mean, with regards to Shabbat, with regards to the Torah, uh, with regards to its ministry to the Jewish people, it really is a more authentic Christianity by authentic. We we mean it's more like what the disciples um, were 
accustomed to. It doesn't mean it's the same, but it's it's a lot closer. Right. It's funny too. It's funny too, John. I almost <laughs> I, I've talked to a lot of Christians who will tell me, "Oh yeah, you know our denomination, it's this." And what we really believe is is we're trying to get back to that original faith of the disciples. And I'll be like, "Oh, that's interesting." So, like, tell me about that. What what does that look like? And it's like, well, we do this differently, or maybe we don't. We don't sing, you know, song, modern contemporary songs or something like that. But it's like, okay, but hold on. The original disciples, I mean, they, they, they honored Shabbat. They went to the temple. We know from Acts, even after Yeshua's resurrection, uh, they went to the temple. Um, some of them were meeting in houses. Still others were still going to synagogues. Um, Shabbat was a, a matter of importance for the early believers. So I, I do feel, for better or worse, the Messianic movement, um, is a more authentic version of Christianity. And I, there's, it's good too, because look, God's heart for, for Israel is plastered all over the scriptures, both in the New Testament and in the Tanakh. You know, I, I think um, you, you called a few verses to mind from Romans. Paul says, brothers, my heart's desire and prayer to God is for Israel, that they might be saved. I, I could wish I were cut off from God so that some of my brothers, the Jewish people, could be saved, Paul says. So that was Paul's heart. So that's like the apostolic um, heart for Israel. Um, the biblical order of, of the gospel that we see in the New Testament to the Jew first and then also to the Gentile. Yeshua's own words where he says, you're to be my witnesses first in Jerusalem and, and uh, in Judea, you know, basically all of Israel and then in, in, indeed to all nations. That order um, is also found um, in the messianic movement. Uh, and look, God said, so, I mean, I, there's so many passages in Isaiah. God says, Israel is engraved on the palms of my hand and Israel's walls are always before me. Uh, he says in Jeremiah that, uh, that he says something like, can a woman, uh, forget her nursing child? I think it's Jeremiah. Maybe it's Isaiah. Can a woman forget her nursing child? Uh, could, would she fail to have compassion on her own children? Even if she does, I will not forget my child Israel. Um, and so I think God's love for Israel is just throughout the scriptures. And we've really lost that in much of Christianity. I don't mean, I don't mean to like downplay right. Christianity. I, I go to a church myself on Sundays, um, but there the focus on Israel is is largely lost. I well, the thing is, is that you've got to have the Israel component right in order yeah. to understand what's happening in our world today, you know, yeah. to yes. understand yeah. the end yeah. times. Mm -hmm. And I know some people, particularly non-Jews who come into the Messianic community, are like, what, you're only focused on the salvation of Jews? What about the salvation of everyone else? Mm -hmm. And I don't think that, they really understand what they're saying. And I don't think they really understand the significance of this Jewish salvation. I mean, most yeah, of the, right. most of the institutional church, most of evangelicalism, the salvation of Jewish people isn't on their radar, nor is it mm, on their yeah. sonar. Okay. It doesn't <laughs> even, you know, no pings. I mean, you know, it doesn't, it doesn't even register at all. Um, yes, and here yes. you have a very small messianic movement today, which, mm -hmm. you know, itself has, you know, in many ways, overlooked its original mission and purpose. Mm -hmm. And the and the clock is mm -hmm. ticking. You know, we've got to we've got to take this mission to much more serious heart, uh, because, 
you know, we see a lot of things happening in our world today. They don't, they don't make any sense unless you have the Israel component right. Because then That's it's right. like, okay, it's all falling into place. You know, there was a, uh, I remember years ago watching the comedian Drew Carey, and he says, you know how I depress myself? I just uh, turn on the news and I open up the book of Revelation, and then I just start, you know, checking the prophecies off. <laughs> like, yep, yep. Drew Carey yep, said that, huh? Yep. <laughs> wow. <laughs> uh, so, hmm. uh, yep, you know, flames <laughs> and dragons and, you know. So, you know, you see all these things happening in the world. It's like, yeah. get the Israel component down and you won't be as depressed, but you mm-hmm. will have to have that, you know, epiphany moment. Yeshua is returning. And uh, yes, yes. And so I think that we really do need to, to recapture some of these elements. Uh, it's I, absolutely I, vital. I have a question for you based on these, but I, I just wanted to highlight two more things and then I'll, I'll get to the question and then perhaps we can cover the second paragraph. But uh with regards to this idea of the messianic movement as restoration, in addition to being the, you know, plastered throughout the scriptures of God's heart for Israel, it's the apostolic, it's Paul's heart for the Jewish people. Um, it's, it's also, it's also in Messiah's own words, you know, I, I think it's often quoted where Yeshua says, Jerusalem, Jerusalem, uh, how I've longed to gather you, but you're not willing. You will not see me again, Jerusalem, until you say Baruch HaBab Hashem Adonai, um, which is basically welcoming Yeshua, welcoming the Messiah in the name of the Lord. Uh, so Yeshua's own heart is also for the Jewish people. And again, that's why all of these reasons, I think, contribute to uh, seeing the Messianic movement as a more authentic Christianity, one that uh, is without some of the cruft added by the church over the centuries. Uh, and final note with this restoration too is is Torah. I, I think we'd be remiss if we didn't bring this up, but uh, a lot of people who have come into this and say, ah, you know what, Yeshua kept Shabbat, and yeah, oh, we see him teaching in the synagogues, and oh, he's celebrating the feast, and he's uh, keeping kosher, best we understand. Uh, given these things, maybe Torah is relevant for believers and I understand we have to wrestle with like how to apply an ancient text like the Torah to the 21st century. Um, we also have to figure out, you know, can, can this, how, how should it inform our walk with God, given that we're here, here in a different country on the other side of the planet, how should, right. how should we actually walk this out? I understand there's questions, but I, I will say um, a lot of folks coming into the Messianic movement, including myself, see, the Torah adds good instruction for God's people, however that plays out. Uh, good instruction for God's people, and that is part of a restoration. Given all these things, here's my question, John, my question for you. Given all of these restorations, if you will, these kind of returning to how it was, uh, both in the scriptures and some of the things in the first century, um, given these restorations, are these distractions from the main mission? You mentioned in your in your mission statement that all of all of these things ought to contribute to the main mission of the salvation of the Jewish people. Do these restorations, as good as they are, do they distract from, or do they even detract from the mission to the Jewish people? Right. I do think that there are additional things taking place in the Messianic movement 
that are just as according to prophecy as the things you see in Romans 9, 10, and 11. Mm-hmm. Uh, like, uh, you know, the, the Micah 4, 1 to 3, Isaiah 2, 2 to 4, the nation streaming to Zion in the last yes. days yes, to be yes. taught from the Torah, from Moses' yeah. teaching. That yeah. is something that's taking place as well. Mm-hmm. Now that, of course, you know, we've talked about this many times, uh, both on and off the air. Uh, a lot of challenges have erupted as a result of that, people going in a legalistic route, uh, yep. implementing these things. But then there are people who are doing things as a genuine work of the Holy Spirit. They are you know, learning how to love God and love neighbor more and live like Yeshua via tangible actions more. And it has actually helped their participation in the Messianic Jewish mission more. Uh, Mm -hmm. So I don't think any of these things is isolated unto itself, you know, because I know that there are a lot of people we interact with who they don't even use the terminology messianic movement. They say they're part of the Torah movement. Sure. And, and they don't even, they couldn't care less about some of these things that we're discussing, you know, perhaps, Um, you know, Mm -hmm. the elect will be saved in the end is their kind of position on it. Uh Uh, You know, I don't even have to lift a finger. God knows who's going to be saved and God doesn't know who's going to be saved. Mm -hmm. Um, And, and I have a problem with that. You know, there are plenty of non-Jewish believers who are here because they wanted to reconnect legitimately to the Tanakh, to the Old Testament. But as I have interacted with Messianic Jewish believers um, who are, you know, welcoming and inclusive, you know, they don't feel that their identity is being challenged because people are not eating pork or observing Shabbat. Um, Mm -hmm. I mean, not Mm -hmm. eating pork to them might as well be the keto diet or you know, low carb or Adkins or something. I mean, yeah, it's, it's, it might as well oh, sure. be another diet. I see. Um, I see. Taking a day of rest. Of course we should be taking a day of rest. Mm-hmm. Uh, they want non-Jewish believers to connect. They just don't want them to, to become legalistic and weird. Yeah. Legalistic. <laughs> and maybe I, I'll, I'll say sometimes pretend Jews were right. They, they want, they want basically people... act even rabbinically Jewish, even though they aren't. Right. And I, I know then, then it can be a problem. For right. Some they want yeah. people to be normal in yeah, doing yeah. this. Yes, um, yes, yes. But it, but, the, but it's not just all about, you know, their personal enrichment, their personal Torah study. It's like, no, how are you going to participate in, because, you know, in Romans 9, 10, 11, Paul talks about non-Jews, those of the nations are to provoke Jewish non-believers to jealousy for Messiah faith. Right. And that is multifaceted. Some Jews get provoked. Well, wait a second. What do you mean you're observing Passover? You know, that's Mm. one of our holidays. I Mm. mean, that that has happened more than a few times for my family when we've gone to the kosher supermarket for Passover. And we get the stuff and, you know, we're in line with everyone else. (laughs) And (laughs) they're like, uh, you're not just buying this because it's of higher quality, are you? You know, <laughs> yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, but then others, you know, it's like you know, you're taking an interest in standing against anti-Semitism in the world. You're mm-hmm. taking an interest in what's happening in the Middle East, you know, mm-hmm. and what's happening with the state of Israel. It, it's all of these things. Uh, yes. So because we're just not islands unto ourselves, we're part of a larger, you know, community of people who believe in the God of Israel at least. Mm-hmm. And you mm-hmm. know, non-Jews have a role to play in the salvation of the Jewish people and getting equipped for that very much involves respecting their faith heritage in the scriptures of Israel. And by the way, it says in the end times, the nations are going to stream to Zion to be taught the Torah. And that is happening on the ground every bit as much as you know, Jewish salvation, life from the dead. 
Yeah, that's now it's, I do it's have amazing. a story. I do have a very, I do have a, an interesting story uh, about this whole issue of the messianic movement as the end time move of God. Okay, uh, because okay. for years our family and our ministry, even before we moved back to North Texas, we had had this conviction uh, that this is the end time move of God. This is the last big thing before Yeshua returns. And okay, uh, in 2014. And it was the weekend of the, the, the weekend started, I believe, on October the 31st. So remember that. Uh, we went to an MJA regional conference out in Grapevine, which is just north of DFW Airport. Uh, in fact, it's just right up the street from Great Wolf Lodge. Uh, oh, yeah, where we stayed. I got gotcha. you. Yeah. Yep. So yep. Uh, we were there and Friday night, David Chernoff gave a message, and he started out with, you know, we'd like to welcome you here. We're starting on the October the 31st with the Jewish holiday of Halloween. Ha, 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 you know, big joke. And then he, later he gets into his message, and he says, you know, the Messianic movement is the end time move of God. And my mother and mm-hmm. I are, are, are in, the, in the audience, and we're both nudging each other, see, See, it's the end time move of God. And then a few minutes later, um, David Chernoff said, you know, can somebody bring me some water? Well, most of the hotel staff, because it was Halloween, they were dressed up in costumes. <laughs> and so one of the hotel staff, this lady, where she dressed as, she comes, she's dressed as a witch and she comes up oh, and gets some water. No. And we just look at each other. Yeah, end time move of God. Oh. Talk about it. Oh my word. Wow. Wow. <laughs> well, that's pretty bad. I guess it could be worse, but that's still pretty bad. <laughs> so the point is made. The point was made. Uh, but yeah, so, you know, we, of course, the end time move of God, you know, focuses on this, you know, David Chernoff always gave a little history about his parents and his coming to faith and the Messianic yep. Jewish revival of the 70s and, and things that they've seen God do in the Messianic Jewish movement. And then, of course, you're reminded, oh, yeah, here's this witch coming up and giving him water. <laughs> oh, my word. That's that's uh, that's that's funny, man. Oh, my gosh. Wow. That's that had to be very cringy for a lot of people like. Oh, oh absolutely. My- absolutely. <laughs> but uh, yeah, so 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 we. You know, so it, it all happens simultaneously. It's not like we can compartmentalize. Well, we're just going to focus on the salvation part when we can't focus on the, the dark aspects mm-hmm. of the end times as well. I'm glad you kind of linked the the nation streaming to Zion. I also think there's, uh, I, I think of the passage about um, 10 men from the nations will grab a hold of the tzitzit of, of a Jew saying, we know God is with you, take us with you. Um, I, I think those things are playing out with regards to Gentiles seeking out this restoration of how the faith ought to be and kind of returning to, to that original faith. I think, I think there is truth in that, that those two things are linked. Uh, I have another question, John, um, with regards to the end times move of God, um, specifically with eschatology, when I see... Uh, in the public, the, the secular world, whenever there's um, an article or something about non-Jews who are either uh, in the Messianic movement or who are keeping Torah in some way, 
One of the reactions I see, uh, an example of this would be a few years ago, there was an article in Slate magazine, uh, which has a big Jewish... I think uh, I remember that. Yeah. Yeah, where it was, I think, that Rico Cortez and some Hebrew Roots folks, uh, it was on the restoration uh, 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 event. There was an event called Restoration or Restoration or something like that. And um, and they interviewed Rico and some of the other folks there, like, why are you doing these Jewish things? Uh, you know, what's what's going on? What is all this? And, you know, there's a wide variety of comments, right? Some people are like, man, this this is something special. What's going on? Other people were like, and this is the one I wanted to ask you about. I see this often. People will say, well, the only reason you're interested in Jewish things and Jews converting to Christianity, the only reason you're interested in that is so that um, it brings about the end times and your Messiah will come. That's the only reason for your support for Israel. It's the only reason uh, that you're interested in in the Messianic movement and the Jewish um, things of the Messianic movement. That's the only reason. It's, it's a selfish reason. You just want your own Messiah to show up. And and it has no, no real love for the Jewish people. No real love for Israel is there. What would you say to such people? I would say there probably is truth in both of the phenomenon. Um, there are people mm-hmm. who they, be, I, I do think that there are people in uh, Christianity today. They believe in supporting Israel because it means that the pre-tribulation rapture will be accelerated. <laughs> they believe in supporting uh, anything that can get the third temple reconstructed because it will accelerate mm. the pre-tribulation rapture. Mm-hmm. They really don't genuinely love Israel. It's all about loving themselves. Uh, and I, I remember um, when I went to Israel in 2004 and I went to the Temple Institute and you get to yes. you know see all the things that they've recreated and, okay, is that real gold or is that gold paint? I mean, that's, <laughs> I, sure. you know, it's like if they really, if this is real stuff, they're not going to have it out. You know, mm-hmm. people can easily <laughs> steal some of this. And then of course you see yeah. the, the, the tank with, which has all the snails in it for the, the, the blue thread oh, on that's... the sea seats. Mm-hmm. Um, but then <laughs> I remember there was this other aquarium which had been adapted into, well, this is where you give all of your donations. And of course, in this big tank, um, it was, it, it, it didn't have water in it. It was obviously empty. It had all these hundred dollar bills and, you know, 50 pound notes and 500 euro notes and gold mm-hmm. coins and platinum coins and all this. Cause the mm-hmm. whole idea is just give your money, give your money, give your money. Sure. And yeah, I mean, we saw some people not on our tour, but you know, they put a couple of, you know, hundred dollar bills in there. Sure. Um, and so don't be fooled. Some of these Jewish agencies, they're milking these naive Christians as well. Mm-hmm. Uh, I mean, and that's just, that's just the human experience. You know, it goes back to the, the, the money changers. Okay. It's, it's, it's in that sure. same stream. Sure. I mean, you yeah. got to keep the business going, but then I think that, that there are people and, and hopefully many people in the Messianic community. Yes. We recognize ourselves as the end time move of God. We also recognize that things are going to get more difficult. They're not going to get easier. So this isn't just, we want to see Jewish people come to faith because we can see Yeshua return and everything resolved. No, these are people who, you know, when you, a big part of Jewish outreach and evangelism is you have to develop relationships with people. You have to mm-hmm. get to know them. It's something that mm-hmm. takes time. It's something that in some cases can take a lot of time. Um, you know, 
in many cases, a lot of the relatives of today's Messianic Jewish believers, they only come to faith in Yeshua in their final days, mm. you know, mm. yeah. and, and a lot of their resistance, you would think, oh, Christian anti-Semitism. No, some of them are borderline atheists. You know, I've seen yeah. this happen many times, yeah. especially yeah. if they're from the former Soviet Union. Uh, so, you know, Jewish salvation is something that takes time. It takes effort. It takes a lot of patience. Uh, and it's not something that is necessarily instantaneous. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm, so it's something yeah. that you invest a huge amount in, in terms of yep. your, you know, spiritual energies, your emotional energies. And, you know, investing a lot of this time and energy into things, it it makes it worthwhile to know that when this really, you know, comes in mass, that it is going to culminate in something that affects all of us. Uh, so, yes. you know, perhaps that's a decent answer for for your question. Mm-hmm. Uh, but yeah, there are people who are involved in, uh, for example, things of Torah just for the appearance of being a missionary. They don't actually believe it. A lot of the early uh, Messianic mm-hmm. Jewish pioneers did that. There are still Messianic Jewish uh, uh, people who they just do, th- you know, loosely things of Torah because it makes their relatives or their friends feel more comfortable. But they don't really believe they should be doing it themselves or they have to do it. It's just their Indeed. culture. Yeah. Um, in fact, um, just a few months ago, I had a discussion with Howard Bass, if I'm pronouncing his last name right, <clears throat> who runs a congregation in Israel called the Chalat Yeshua, Inheritance of Yeshua. And he said, he goes, well, first Torah observance is, uh, it's a kind of heresy. Uh, and secondly, the only the only real uh, argument for Torah observance is, as you just said, John, he said, um, if it's for cultural sensitivities in order to bring about salvation. In other words, you can, you can celebrate Passover, not because we're supposed to, not because of any biblical reason, but, or he wouldn't phrase it that way. You can only celebrate Passover for the sake of bringing unbelieving Jewish people to to Yeshua. That's how this particular uh, leader in the Messianic movement saw it. Uh, so there, there are those folks. I don't know how you feel about them, John. It strikes me as um, insincere and, and deceitful, personally. Uh, I know a lot of Jewish folks will just say, look, they're not really interested in Torah. They're not really interested in Israel or the Jewish people. They just want to convert you to Christianity and then they don't care after that. So they're, they're insincere in, in, in their walk. And I feel like when people do use Torah just as a, uh, a means to convert Jews, um, that, that strikes me as, as insincere. I, I don't think the Apostle Paul would have agreed with that. They often appeal to Paul and they'll say, to the Jews, I became a Jew. And to the Gentiles, I became as a Gentile. Yeah, but that doesn't mean that Paul was not a Jew or that his practice was insincere. I, 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 I don't think that's what he was going after. So I, I don't know what you think about that, John, but it strikes me as problematic that there, in fact, still are uh, believers who only practice Torah, not because they're convicted of that's what God wants them to do, but solely as an evangelistic technique. It strikes me right. as and- insincere. And yes, that's an ongoing issue, mm-hmm. uh, and and I think that it. Is, I think you've raised some absolutely valid points. 
And I think, and, and some of it goes back to those First uh, Corinthians nine perspective. I became this to this, this group and that to yep. that group. Yep. And, you know, there's a huge history of interpretation with that, which actually views Paul as being a chameleon and flip-flopping his behavior right. around different right. groups of people and accommodating them. Others have seen that more as a rhetorical identification with the needs of an audience. Yeah. Uh, so identifying yeah. as a Jew would mean, okay, what are some of the things I need to be aware of for first century Jews in order to best communicate to them? And yes, here's some of these other groups here. Uh, yes. And yep. again, this, this is an effectiveness issue. And uh, I think the discussion is ongoing in, in the Messianic movement. Mm-hmm. I see. Uh, one last thing I wanted to cover uh, with that first paragraph. I know we've spent a great deal of time already on that first one, but uh, you end it by talking about assimilation. And I think this is an issue that not many people have given thought to, uh, especially in the messianic movement in the United States. And I, I can speak from experience. I didn't think about it when I was younger. Um, and, you know, even even made choices in life without thinking about that. And, you know, it's, it's okay. But uh, it's, it's worth highlighting here. Uh, it's worth talking about this assimilation for a minute. The first point of this is the assertion that Jews who, who come to follow Yeshua should remain Jewish. This is an assertion that not all Christianity agrees with. Would, would right. you say that? Right. Yeah. It seems to me that a lot of, a lot of Christianity will just say something like, oh, well, remember Paul's words, there's neither Jew nor Greek, you know, and there's master nor slave, male nor female. In other words, it doesn't matter if you're Jewish. And I, I know some genuine Christians who are you know, good uh, people who follow the gospel and are, are doing their best to walk with the Lord um, will just say, look, it doesn't, it doesn't matter anymore. Your identity now is in Jesus and not in your Jewishness. And so now what was once uh, God's people, particular to the land of Israel, specifically to the Jewish people, now is a global movement. So it doesn't matter if you're part of that small particular people anymore, because now there's a global people. So I think this is at odds with Christianity today. And if not in words, certainly in practice. Look, I know going to this church, there's there's Jewish people uh, who don't give a second thought about whether they remain Jewish or continue passing Jewish identity onto their kids. They're just like, no, no, I'm a Christian. I'm not a, you know, I'm not a Jew like the Jewish people. I, I, I have Jewish heritage, right. but it's different. Um, so this is a big, this is a big differentiator in the messianic movement. This idea, this assertion that Jews who believe in Yeshua ought to remain Jewish. Well, let's back up a few millennia. Cause I remember, uh, yeah, every year in the Messianic community, when we remember Hanukkah, there's going to be mm-hmm. somebody who says, why are you doing this? Mm-hmm. This is not one of the appointed times. Um, or, or they go, go off, oh, it's a nationalistic. I don't want to have anything to do with that. And mm-hmm. you're like, no, 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 no. You don't understand. If the Maccabees had not fought their guerrilla war against the Seleucids and rededicated the temple, there would probably be no Jewish people into which Yeshua of Nazareth would have been born. That's right, man. Okay. Okay. So with that in mind, it is important that we remember these kinds of historical markers as Yeshua did in John chapter 10. And then the response 
can frequently be yes, but if the Jewish people had been wiped out and assimilated, uh, don't you think God would have found another way and uh, would have gotten the Savior uh, to to this planet some some other path? To a lot of people, they just stop there. However, with all of these prophecies from Isaiah and Jeremiah and whomever in the mm-hmm. Tanakh in the in the Scriptures of Israel, which mm-hmm foretell specific things that the Messiah or the anointed one is to do. And you have to have a people of Israel in order for them to take shape. There is no people of Israel. These prophecies are null and void. And what Hmm. kind of a God are we dealing with? Indeed. We're dealing with a God who can't keep his promises. Can't trust this God. That's That's that's, right. That's what what you are left with. That's Uh, right, man. Yep. In fact, this is uh, an example of that. I I referred to Jeremiah before I was thinking of this passage. I I just looked it up here. Jeremiah 31. The Lord says this. If the sun ceases to light the day and the moon and stars cease to light the evening sky, only then will the children of Israel cease to be a nation before me. Only if the universe can be measured, the heavens be measured, the foundations of the earth searched out, only then will I reject you, Israel. Look, if, if Israel disappeared, that statement from God simply couldn't be true. Right. You would have to spiritualize it away and then nothing is meaningful. Nothing is tangible. It's all just kind of made up stuff. So you're right, man. It's really, really important then uh, for for the Jewish people to remain Jewish. In fact, I would go even further. If Jewish people follow the Jewish Messiah, they should become better Jews. That's my view of things. Right. And and so, yeah, assimilation of an individual here or there. Uh, that's been going on from before the time of the Messiah. Okay. Yeah. So, but this wide scale encouraged assimilation of, you know, well, if we're going to see these massive Jewish salvation, you know, they need to become Christians. And I know with the early Hebrew Christian movement around the turn of the last century, yeah. they, it was, they encouraged a huge amount of uh, intermarriage. So there mm-hmm. are, People today in contemporary evangelicalism who are one-eighth or one-quarter Jewish, and they may not even know it. Mm-hmm. Or if they if they are aware of it, it's like, yeah, that was you know way back then, and and it really just doesn't matter to me or doesn't affect me. Mm-hmm. Uh, so the need for there to be a visible, recognizable Jewish people in the end times is imperative for just prophecy's sake. Yeah, yeah. Um, and yeah. and you know, I don't I don't get offended. I actually don't get offended when I see you know Messianic Jewish leaders they say, "Look, you know, we welcome non-Jewish believers to our congregations, you know, we we welcome them to participate, but we really don't encourage intermarriage." That doesn't bother me. It, you know, okay. seeing mm-hmm. the what frequently results from it and then of course more practically mm-hmm. is intermarriage going to increase or decrease the likelihood of divorce? I mean that's that's the other factor. Indeed, uh, indeed, yeah. So yeah. that doesn't that doesn't that doesn't um, that doesn't phase me one one way or or the other. I understand yeah. the the logic behind it. Yeah, you know you don't yeah, have that's... To, you don't have to have all these intermarried couples in order to represent the one new humanity. Mm-hmm, uh, mm-hmm. You know maybe there are you know some couples who who believe that they are called to do to represent that, but it, you don't mm-hmm. have to have it. Yeah, yeah, agreed. I would love to. I, I wish the the New Testament spoke more towards this issue. Given that it, it most likely Paul encountered uh, certainly in the Roman community, where you had 
some Jewish leadership uh, intermingled with many non-Jews in the community. I would have loved to see some guidance uh, from from uh, scriptures with this, but you're right; it's a difficult issue. I'm I'm not offended either if if folks say, "Okay, we're not going to encourage assimilation." And yeah, we recognize that God can work through um, intermarried couples; He certainly has. Um, but uh, I guess maybe just stepping back, the bigger picture is we we firmly believe based on evidence in the scripture that God does not want the Jewish people to disappear. Right. How that plays out, uh, maybe could be worked out in different ways, but we don't think the Jewish people should disappear. It's not God's plan. It's not the, it's not the apostle Paul's vision. As you mentioned in your mission statement that he saw the Jewish people returning to Yeshua as um, a uh, eschatological event, a, a big end times move of God uh, if the Jewish people disappear, that can't happen. So we, we firmly believe the Jewish people should not disappear. And that is really one of the, the, the founding principles of the messianic movement too. I, I remember reading a, a woman, um, I think married to one of the leaders of the early, uh, 20th century, um, Hebrew Christian movement. So this kind of predates the, the messianic Judaism movement, I guess you could say, or is, is maybe the forerunner of, but she said something to the effect of, well, in the early days, um, a lot of people considered us heretics for just um, having a Shabbat meeting together with some of the Jewish believers. Like it was that stringent, like, oh, you're, you're returning to under the law. You're returning back to the old ways and not the new way of Messiah. Um, we're, now I think it's, it's, it's improved quite a bit, but there's still this. I don't know. It's not well known that, um, look, we want Jews to be able to remain Jewish and even beyond that, become better Jews by following the Jewish Messiah. It strikes me as a, a, a terrible shame that um, many, many thousands, if not millions of Jews who have come to faith in Yeshua cease being Jewish. I don't think that's the will of God. I think it's, um, I think it's a, a product of church doctrines that have have misinterpreted the bible that's correct now we definitely need to move on to the next paragraph on. sounds good uh, because <laughs> i'm sure a lot of people who have been watching or listening to this are thinking okay i understand all the things you're saying about you know jewish salvation and jewish believers yeah. in the messianic community but what about non-jewish believers because once again when you attend a messianic congregation you go to a major messianic function you're going to see a majority of non-Jewish people. Yes. Now, is, is some of that just geography? Because, well, you're going to a, a conference event, say, in North America versus in the modern-day state of Israel? Sure. Or is God supernaturally doing something with non-Jewish believers coming in? And just let's table how, mm-hmm. yes, there are non-Jewish believers who come into the Messianic movement because they've tried this denomination or that group, and they come in to kick tires, and then they go on. Okay. So that Shove happens. That, okay, that sure. happens all the time. Sure. But we're all talking right, about people enough. who are there to stay. Mm-hmm. You know, Understood. I've been in this for over twenty-five years, so yeah. I'm not going yeah. anywhere. Yeah. <laughs> yes. Okay. So the second paragraph. Okay. Many non-Jewish believers, with a sincere and genuine love for the people and scriptures of Israel have been legitimately called by God to be active participants and co-laborers in the salvation of Israel, 
along with Messianic Jewish believers. Many of these people are to be regarded as modern-day Ruths, whose loyalty mm-hmm. to Messianic Judaism is steadfast to the point of dying with their Messianic Jewish brothers and sisters, Ruth 1, 16 and 17. Mm. They have a distinct role to play in provoking non-believing Jewish people to Messiah faith, Romans 11, 11. More importantly, as Jewish and non-Jewish people come together in a special and unique unity in Messiah Yeshua, they should be representing the one new man or one new humanity, Ephesians 2.15, a testimony and snapshot of the greater redemption to come to the cosmos in the eschaton, Ephesians 1.10. Yeah, uh, so a number of thoughts arise out of this. The first one, I like that you circle back to uh, contributing to this, this mission, the salvation of Israel. Uh, I would encourage people who are in the messianic movement, maybe you've you've been drawn to that restoration aspect of the messianic movement. I would encourage um, those folks to just remember this is the mission, uh, the salvation of Israel. Uh, it's what was on Paul's heart. Uh, it's what was on Yeshua's heart. <laughs> uh, and and it, it's part of our call as well. Um, so I, you, you did touch on this earlier, John, you said, you know, sometimes folks come into the messianic movement to, to please me, you know, what, what do I get out of this? And, you know, I, I understand that's a human reaction, but uh, I, I really do think that the non-Jews who are in the messianic movement um, need to center back to this core focus and say, what am I contributing? It's not about me. What am I contributing to um, the salvation of, of God's people? Uh, the, the salvation of the Jewish people. Uh, so I really like that. You circle that in, in that first uh, sentence there. Many people within many non-Jews in the movement are to be regarded as modern day Ruths. That's remarkable, isn't it? Uh, to say um, willing to even lay down your life. I think you're referring to wherever you go, I will go wherever you die. I will die that that, right. And, and this yeah. is something that you hear a great deal in um, certainly, I think, in, in more the MJAA side of the Messianic movement. Mm, mm. Um, you know, they recognize, hey, you know, there are non-Jewish believers. They're called by the Lord to be here. They're going to be participating. And they are like Ruth. Uh, yeah. But the mm. only, we tend to only focus at times on the your people will be my people, your God, my God, rather mm. than the where you are buried, I will be buried aspect of that. Uh, Because that is something that really hits Messianic Jews hard. Because a lot of the non, excuse me, a lot of the Messianic Jewish, I think people perceive it as well. I I don't feel welcome in the Messianic Jewish community. A, A lot of it comes from a history of being told by the Gentile powers, um, even Gentile Christian powers. Oh, we're going to be more tolerant. Oh, we're going to give you more rights. Oh, you know, please accept our apologies for persecuting you. And of course, what happens? You know, empty promises, Mm -hmm. you know, all lies, you know, broken words. Mm -hmm. Um, Mm -hmm. Sooner or later, if there's a problem in with the czar, if there's a problem with the emperor, the Jews are going to get get the blame. Um, you know, they promise that, you know, we're equals in society, Mm. but, you know, it's all 
it's all lies. Hogwash. Anything. Yeah. So, yeah. you know, Jewish people, because of the Jewish experience in history, are expecting the Goy to eventually betray them. Um, yeah. So For good you reason, have a, as you pointed yeah, out. So if you, have a, if you believe that you have a Ruth calling as a non-Jew, it's not just about recognizing the God of Israel and your mm-hmm. people as my people. No, it's where you die, I will die, and where you were buried, I will be buried. That's right. No, yeah. So I just heard a story mm-hmm. uh, a couple of days ago. One of the local Messianic congregations here in DFW that a lot of the Hebrew roots people at that congregation are leaving. And why are they leaving? Well, because Joe Biden is the president now. The apocalypse is coming, and they are going to oh, dear Lord. bug out for you know the boonies, basically. I see. You know, they're they're, they're going to go live out in the middle of nowhere. Um, what kind of a testimony is that to the Jewish believers at the congregation? Yeah. What part of where you die, I will die. Where you are buried, I will be buried. Does that, mm-hmm. uh, I mean, it's one thing to not live in the, uh, you know, metropolitan inner city, you know, that, you know, I don't even live in the metropolitan inner city, mm-hmm. <laughs> but mm-hmm. to just, you know, go off the grid and abandon your Messianic Jewish brothers and sisters simply because the, u.s presidential administration changes yeah to the one you don't like that that's it shows that those folks perhaps are not truly devoted uh to the salvation of israel you know maybe those yeah. and maybe yet they I have, have the wrong focus i've had my own experience with not to the extent of where you die i will die uh but back in may uh a father of of one of my best messianic jewish friends you know passed away and he was from the former soviet union and at his funeral um you know they they lowered the the casket in and and then everyone you know put dirt on the casket Mm -hmm. so there was a line Mm -hmm. and the family was in line and then i was the first person after the family to put the dirt on so Mm -hmm. i was uh, you know, not Jewish. And I was the first non-member of this family. So it's like, yes, you know, yes. this is, these are the kinds of things that really impact me regarding Ruth 1, 16 and 17. Yeah. Now I know that because, you know, some people think, well, you know, claiming that as a non-Jew, I'm just a Ruth that's patronizing to me. They just want to use me as, you know, in helps. They don't want to, they don't want me to take an active role in, uh, you know, the Messianic congregation or the Messianic movement. I mean, those are, I know that there are some non-Jews who feel that way. Um, I would, I would stress every congregation is different. Every leader is different. And part of the first century experience, it is true. There were non-Jewish people in the leadership of the first century uh, ecclesia. Um, Mm -hmm. You know, you had Lydia, you had Titus, you had people like Clement of Rome, uh, you know, while I believe as being part of the Messianic movement, I have a Ruth calling. Um, I'm in Messianic ministry, so there are some other callings that we're going to have to consider moving ahead. Mm-hmm, um, mm-hmm. And it's yeah. and it's not easy. Uh, there there are Messianic congregations that don't have non-Jews in the leadership, and there are Messianic congregations which do. Yeah. Um, John, of of this of your whole mission statement, I think this bit on Ruth um, is the most piercing. Um, and, and, and stirring in my, as I read it, and as I hear you talk about it, frankly, the Messianic movement would do, uh, would benefit so much if more non-Jews uh, served 
uh, in this way as, as a Ruth. Um, it's, it's a powerful thing, man. You know, I, I think I can think of some examples of this in, in history. Uh, Corey Ten Boom and her family, non-Jews, uh, her sister Betsy and her father hid Jews during the Holocaust. Uh, Corey and, and Betsy both were sent to uh, concentration camps out of that. Um, truly, truly a, a Ruth experience in that regard. Betsy ends up dying, in fact. Um, but yeah, that, that Ruth, uh, verse 17, chapter 1, where you die, I will die, and, and there I will be buried. And may the Lord deal with me even worse, if anything, but death comes between me and you. Uh, that's, a, that's a servant heart, and I would encourage um, the Messianic believers who aren't Jewish, but feel truly called by the Lord to this movement to take that same heart uh, of, of, of service uh, for the sake of the salvation of the Jewish people. It's, it's right. And I think too few today have that heart. So I'm really glad John uh, that you have this heart and are making this uh, a a focus of of your mission statement for the Messianic movement. Um, More people need to have it. Well, there are definitely going to be aspects of provoking Jewish people to jealousy for Messiah faith that go way beyond, I think, the Hebrew roots emphasis of, well, Mm -hmm. we just need to keep Torah, and then we'll just passively be testifying of Yeshua to non-believing Jews. That's right, yeah. I think we need to take much more of an interest in the Jewish experience. We need to be much more sensitive to the needs of Jewish people uh, that God puts in our path. Yes. And... You know, this mission statement is hardly something that is comprehensive. You know, we've discussed a lot of important things uh, today. I know one of the big things regarding the future, and I talk about this more when I wrote the implementation of it, uh, because Jewish outreach tends to be focused or is customarily focused around messianic prophecy, understanding Christian anti-Semitism, and understanding mm-hmm. uh offensive terms from Christianese, in other words. Sure. You know, know, if you ask a Jewish person, would you like to receive Jesus Christ into your heart and become a Christian? You are guaranteed a 100% rate of rejection. (laughs) (laughs) Um, But I also know, but I also know that, uh, that a lot of the customary historic methods of Jewish outreach and evangelism, um, they haven't kept the the, the fact that the Jewish community as a whole, or, or, or the majority of the Jewish community, is very liberal and very progressive and teeters yeah. on atheism. Yeah. Uh, yeah. And it hasn't got right. wanted to get into some of those various matters. And, and how do we as a Messianic community, which uh, customarily has, has sat at the far right end of the spectrum with a lot of theological issues, mm-hmm. how do you know? How do how how are how do we become more relevant to the Jewish community with that? And I know that a lot of mm-hmm. different answers have been proposed. Well, we're going to see a shifting of the generations uh, between the baby boomers and the millennials, and the millennials will handle this. Mm-hmm. Uh, I've mm-hmm. seen another situation. Well, um, sooner or later, the messianic movement is going to have to take a much more lower profile uh, because of anti-Semitism on the rise and, mm. you know, the new world order. And I mean, who knows, but, but, mm. but the point is maybe it's in a smaller home fellowship that some of these issues can be better handled. Um, yeah. Yeah. You know, a much more informal type of setting where you don't have an institutional congregation that has to keep the bills paid. So, 
you know, yeah. certain things, you know, aren't discussed. So we don't upset some of our big donors. I mean, I've, <laughs> I've seen that thrown mm-hmm. out there. Um, right. Me too. And that might, there might be some truth in that. Uh, I, I do know that with the shifting of the generations and we, we have seen this very recently as a result of some of the political upheavals here in America, uh, one of the major Messianic Jewish denominations has come out very much in favor of the political left. Um, and then others are trying to sort through, what does this mean? What is happening here? And, uh, and, and I don't know what the answer is. I, I think this is just an ongoing issue that we have to you know, touch on here and there. Okay, well, we have lost Judah, uh, but I hope you all enjoyed our discussion on a mission statement for uh, Messianic Judaism. We apologize for the uh, technical glitch here. Uh, I would like to say that, oh, he's back. Hey, sorry about that. My internet at home here went in and out. Yes, and I was, I was preparing to close things up. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> Announcing a technical glitch, but I'm glad you came back. Yeah. Uh, so anyway, I mentioned some of these things because these are going to be further challenges and they are going to affect our mission. Mm-hmm. And, 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 I, and for me, a big part of the Jewish experience, but also a big part of the Protestant experience is yeah. being willing to ask the tough questions. And I know I mean, right now we, we're, we're seeing a lot of the Messianic Jewish young people they really are quite left uh, mm-hmm. of a lot mm-hmm. of us. So mm-hmm. what are we going to do about this? And how is it going to affect our mission? And how is that going to mm-hmm. change everything? Mm-hmm. And I do think in, in modern times now, some of the techniques for evangelism in the Jewish, Messianic Jewish space are not as effective as they once were. You know, I think right. people see religion peddlers uh, in a very negative light sometimes for, for good reasons. Um, and sometimes I see uh, groups, maybe like Jews for Jesus and others that are uh, still maybe stuck in an old world mode of, of bringing in uh, Jewish, uh, bringing in Jewish people to the Messianic movement. So there, there does need to be uh, maybe some reworking. And I like what you said, John, I think you said this before we started the podcast that, look, maybe we could focus on. Uh, how about the relatives of the Jewish people who are in our congregations? How could we get them into our congregations? What would be an effective outreach to those folks? So there is a lot to be done. And as you point out uh, towards the end of your statement too, that non-Jews have a role to play with regards to provoking Jewish people uh, to jealousy, uh, to see salvation in the nations. And what does that look like? And you mentioned it was probably a many pronged approach, a many faceted approach uh, so it's going to be interesting to see how it plays out. A lot, ha- a lot of work has to be done, um, but uh, we know that ultimately the Lord's in control, and it has to be a pouring out of His Spirit to, to uh, bring fruit to to some of these efforts. So we'll see how it goes. Well, because of everything that's happening in our world, uh, both inside and outside of our faith community, we know that the Lord is in control, and. Our loyalty is to his kingdom and the purposes of his kingdom. And this is something which we definitely need to refocus our efforts and our energies upon. Mm-hmm. But I would also stress, you know, there are other things that are, are supposed to support and buttress this mission of Jewish outreach and evangelism. 
You know, right yes. now at your local congregation, you may not have that many uh, classes on Jewish outreach and evangelism or messianic prophecy. Maybe you need to reconsider that, but that doesn't mean that mm-hmm. other studies you've had are irrelevant no, because no, everything not. is to be supportive of this mission. You know, when you look at uh, the different military branches, you know, everything works to supporting some mission, you know, and everyone mm-hmm. has an important role to play, uh, yeah. whether that uh, is the Air Force model where everything is supporting that particular pilot, that particular aircraft, or you're following more the Army model or the Navy model where you're supporting the troops, you're supporting the sailors. Um, everything is supposed to be working together. Uh, and we brought some things out on the table that don't commonly get discussed at Messianic congregations that yet actually do affect Jewish outreach and evangelism. Uh, but of course, all of us you know, need to, with wisdom and humility and discernment, try to figure out, okay, what contribution can we be making to uh, the Messianic mission? And this conversation doesn't end. It keeps on going. Yeah, I, I would just add to what John said, too, that um, even if may, maybe in your congregation you haven't had this focus of the salvation of Israel, or maybe it's been discussed a little bit, but there hasn't been um, movement uh, to, to make it come about, uh, no, no fruit from those discussions. So I, I, I guess my, my bottom line here is I encourage folks who are in the Messianic movement to circle back to this main mission of of the messianic movement, the salvation of Israel. It's going to usher in awesome things. The Lord is going to do a great work through it. We know that from the scriptures. Uh, so let's labor in that regard. And I would finally encourage uh, the non-Jews in the movement to, as John said, uh, to, to serve as modern day Ruths. Are you really committed to, do you have the father's love for the people of Israel that we see throughout the scriptures? Uh, do you have that heart for the Jewish people that we see uh, come out in Paul's letters? Uh, and if you do, then um, then maybe your calling is indeed in this movement um, to serve and to further that that central mission of the Messianic movement. Well, ladies and gentlemen, we hope that you have been challenged in some good ways yeah. to yeah. Uh, reevaluate perhaps why are you in today's Messianic movement and what are some things that you need to uh, begin to integrate into your faith experience, into your prayers, into your studies, yeah. and how can you contribute to the original mission of Jewish outreach and evangelism? Uh, this is an ongoing discussion, but we definitely need to have it more and more frequently because we are getting closer to the return of Yeshua, which means some of these other things are going to have to start kicking in. Yeah. On behalf of my co-host, uh, Judah Hamango of the blog, Kinetti Letzion, that's at blog.judagabriel.com. Myself, John McKee of Messianic Apologetics, www.messianicapologetics.net. Thank you so much for joining us on this episode of The Messianic Walk. We will see you again soon with another thought-provoking topic that affects all of us who compose today's Messianic community of faith. Thanks, everyone. Shalom.